Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us Mr. Ekalavya Gupta, who is the founder of Recur Club, uh, which is Asia's uh, first trading platform to raise upfront non-dilutive growth capital for recurring revenue companies. Uh, hi, Ekalavya. Welcome to ELI. Hey, hi, thanks. Thanks. Nice to meet you all. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Great. Not too bad. Yeah. I would, uh, to start with, I wish you to introduce yourself to our audience and give, give a brief about uh, what Recur Club does. Absolutely. So about me, I've been an investment professional all my life. Worked across multiple global private equity funds, sovereign funds and structural credit funds uh, mm -hmm. with the likes of Nomura. Uh, started my career there long Right, like it was a pretty pretty interesting journey in structured credit. Moved on uh, to work at Kotak, you know, one of one of the largest institutes in India doing alternative investments. Mm -hmm. uh, got a chance to work in the special situation structured credit and the private equity fund there. Um, then moved on to be got was lucky actually to be part of the setting up team of TTPQs, you know, real estate and infrastructure arm for Ivano Cambridge in India. Um, so I was part of the three member team and got a chance to do a lot of investments across India, Singapore, uh, so all of Asia, uh, across real assets, logistics, data centers, real estate, financial services. Mm -hmm. uh, so been a great journey, worked with a lot of companies, you know, helped them go public, invested in their IPOs, a uh, lot of private equity investments, uh, that I did. So I have been an investment professional, I loved professional and private personal investments all my life. That keeps me going. I think um, started Record Club uh, in 2021. Uh, you know, which is a fintech platform. Started this with one of my batchmates and a very good friend from I'm Calcutta days, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, so this platform, right? Like, it's a fintech platform. Uh, as you said, you know, this upfronts uh, recurring revenues into upfront non-dilutive growth capital for companies. Uh, you know. The idea to start was, you know, when I used to invest in a lot of companies, I figured out that there is an inherent time arbitrage in which a lot of these recurring revenue companies, right? Like a lot of subscription-based companies, a lot mm -hmm. of SaaS companies, a lot of tech services companies, right? Like there is a time arbitrage in which when they spend money on their customer acquisition cost versus when they receive their lifetime value of the customer, right? Mm -hmm. And to bridge this, people were only using equity. Right. And what happened as a result was uh, founders were left in single digit shareholding, like 2%, 3%, 5% as they grow up and scale up. Right. Mm. Companies have become unicorn, but founders own 2%, right? Like of their own company. Um, they lose control over a period of time. Right. Like, and, and if you think about it deeply, it was not efficient capital stack management. And hence, we started Record Club to bridge this uh, gap. It's been a great journey uh, uh, since then. You know, we work with multiple institutions uh, to finance uh, that via our tech platform. We leverage our technology to get money faster to companies without any equity dilution. Right? It saves two most important assets of a founder and a company, which is equity and time, right? Two most precious things, I think, for mm -hmm. a founder. So you are uh, solving for both. Uh Help me understand a few technical things. What's so special about recurring revenue companies? I mean, the problem you are solving, I understand that problem can happen in any industry. Uh, why recurring revenue? I think a very good question. 
so as a business uh, you know while we cater to companies from bootstrap to late stage companies but our core focus has been companies from bootstrap seed stage series a series b right like so early on in their journey relatively and hence you know if you are financing them again something the predictability of the revenue is very important right like because you are not taking equity it's not like a vc that you invest equity in 100 companies and five of them make returns for all 100 right like some of the bets could go wrong so you need to diversify risk and exposure as well for the for the lender or for the investor or for the credit fund you know mm. for the investor investing in these so to manage risk right like to a certain recurring mm. revenue companies have high level of predictability in their revenue right with they have very low churn right and hence the revenue the probability of that revenue repeating is high otherwise that could be very seasonal or very cyclical or very volatile and these are not very large companies right like that we are focusing on so we need to have a way to mitigate risk and hence recurring revenues make a brilliant option and also if you think right like recurring revenue is actually coming all around us right like uh, if you see any business you know mm. if i see from a consumer angle right like today i as a consumer use all my subscriptions my ot platforms my music platform like spotify netflix uh, my groceries on subscriptions right like mm. multiple things i'm my even my other expenses you know may not be subscription but like my rent it's recurring i'm paying mm-hmm. right on a month to month basis right effectively so my insurance businesses that i've taken right like it's all recurring from that point and if i see as a business my all my expenses right like my mark all i use all sas tools my salaries my rental expense again my insurance right like everything like 70 to 80% of my expenses are recurring there's no longer one time expenses right because mm-hmm. the world is moving towards there right like and hence we want to capture those companies early on right like as a business strategy as we scale and grow as well gotcha. so it's world moving there plus better risk management at the stage of the company i think these are the two primary reasons to summarize hmm. so next question coming to my mind the uh, companies who come to your platform to raise uh, probably debt capital uh, why can't they go to a bank uh, where probably they can get uh, capital at a lesser a rate of interest uh, at least that is what i am presuming so you know uh, i think two three things a the availability of capital right like to all founders it may not be accessible as well so we have opened via our platform that access of capital right like instant access of capital was 95 of the businesses you know shut down because of you know proper availability of capital at that point in time right hmm. so i think Uh, getting access to the companies at the right time right like in an opportune time in a very fast manner we unlock capital within 48 hours right like so it could be a game changer it is a game changer for companies mm-hmm. so then it's opportunity cost of capital versus what you are comparing and see every capital has a risk and return right mm-hmm. so depending on your financing with for their cash flows right like you don't have like if you go to a bank they will take property they will take shares they will take you know charges on your current accounts lien creation and things like that so it it's a lower risk and hence a lower return expectation right like money mm. money is no, not not free for for any investment there is you know risks for return for every risk so it's mm. what risk that investor is taking and the returns are proportionate but the cost of capital on a platform is not very high still right like it's an upfront discount of between 8 to 12% Uh, on an annualized basis that's not very high for india we we have fought very hard to you know get there and get the right capital supply for our companies mm-hmm. 
cut you uh when uh you give capital as a debt then uh against that debt you usually tend to take some mortgage or uh, you know some sort of security banks do it through you know even in corporate uh lending uh, they back it against fixed assets so uh, would love to understand uh what uh mortgage or what sort of security do you take against uh, the capitals that you provide so it's, it's a, the model is very unique to that extent right uh <clears throat> so I, I i think it's unlike any debt right you know our model our financing is like much much better than a debt as you rightly said right like it doesn't involve mortgages it doesn't involve share pledges it doesn't involve warrants right mm -hmm. it is as if you are financing your revenue upfront mm -hmm. you know so basically what collateral or what security we have i think data is a collateral right like data is the new collateral for us uh, we leverage technology to be integrated in companies financial system invoicing management softwares banking softwares right uh, and be live and hence data is the new collateral and we are financing them against their predictable revenue streams mm -hmm. okay uh, got you uh, a little deep if i can go uh, tell us about uh, the people who are uh, funding your operation as in who are putting in the larger uh, pool of capital to be distributed across other companies as uh, you know uh, growth capital if you will so we work with marquee institutional investors on the platform right like there are multiple banks credit funds family offices certain nbfcs but we work primarily with institutional investors managing billions of dollars of capital right like uh, cumulatively they manage around 20 billion dollar plus capital um mm -hmm. so we have and we shortlist we don't work with anyone and everyone you know so we filter and shortlist the right set of investors before you know we get them on board so these are vetted institutional investors on the platform gotcha uh, uh take us uh, uh to the initial days of recur club uh, and tell us how it was built like how did you onboard your first uh, either investor or uh, at the other end uh, first customer and you know uh, how was the platform built what was the initial hypothesis and any any uh, you know examples at other parts of the world that that you referred to i think very interesting journey it's not that long back what seems like ages to be honest right like if i reflect back uh started this in april 2021 you know um i think very interesting is how it started uh my co-founder uh, my batchmate right like abhinav very very good friend uh he used to work on you know with a lot of SaaS companies on the product and tech side uh you know he was working with gartner prior to this uh and we were just having a chat one of the days when i realized this is a problem for early stage companies and there's a time arbitrage right and since he was working with similar companies, he realized that instantly that's a problem that he faces at Gartner as well, right? Uh, we did, and we said, there we go, right? So it it was one of the Sundays we met, right? Like in a in a cafe, mm -hmm. and we started working on it from the next Monday, right? Like both of us were so convinced, you know, of looking at different sides of working with different sides of the company, and I think there has been no looking back since then. Uh, you know, we hired. A tech team on contract since then you know we started with five six people that we knew uh, who bought into our idea very early on right started working on it and within three months we were live 
So mm-hmm. we start, uh, you know, our first transaction happened in April, August. Um, so May, June, July was the three months that we took and August we were live with our MVP. It was very fast, very fun days, right? Like to build a startup right from scratch. There's so many things, right? Like setting up a company, getting legal finances started. And at the same time, you are doing a lot of primary, secondary research, setting up GTM strategies, you know, which were right from get go just calling people. <laughs> that was the GTM strategy when we started to so mm-hmm. actually formalizing it across, you know, different channels in which how you source, how you manage, how the funnel works, you know, it has evolved so much. But I think what I've loved most is how the interplay between, you know, different people that you get in right like the alignment i think it's the people uh, it's your team right like i think that makes or breaks a startup uh, especially early on in the journey and it's that fun that you have with them it's the journey you know that we we have relished as well the fun times that we've had the tough times that we've had right like it it'll be always that you'll start your day thinking that you'll plan and do something but 80% of it doesn't work like that right like something or the other abruptly comes and that's the fun right but i think one thing that has worked for us uh, is we have been very still relatively more process oriented right mm-hmm. uh, but otherwise there's so many things that happen in a startup right like it's very easy to get deviated yeah. uh, you know everything seems so lucrative because you're at zero right like so every every path seems very lucrative at times but it's very important to have that focus and prioritize i think what is what we have realized is the two very very important things to maintain um it's not easy, uh, but especially when team starts growing, expectations start growing. But I think that's the challenge. That's the fun part. You said uh, data is uh, your collateral or your uh, the security that you uh, use to you know ensure that the investments you are making they're they're good investments, and uh, how you collect that data is from the company's financial systems, invoicing systems, and other platforms you integrate with. Uh, would love to understand what sort of data you collect and what models you use to evaluate uh, whether a company is, uh, uh, is a, you know, will uh, pay back the amount you are investing. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, the other aspects uh, involved in it. Tell us about it. Absolutely. And that's where our financial models come into picture, right? Like the AIML models that we have built in you know, to read not only company's data, but a lot of alternative data where we integrate with, right? Uh, because uh, like a lot of third-party integrations, including GSG, MCA website, publicly available that we fetch automatically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Indian, Glassdoor, a lot, lot of things that we do to make our models more robust and to give us good indicators because the underwriting has to be very strong, right? Like at the end of the day, if someone is financing through a platform, and we are guiding them or giving them some guidance to our underwriting, right? Or financial analysis or models leveraging technology, right? Uh, it is our fiduciary duty, you know, to be to be to be at the right uh, to be doing the right things when we are doing the investment analysis, probably. So that remains the core. Obviously, our team is from the background. I have done that. That's helped to build good models, right? Like, and we have also had expert team in the investment uh, investment side, and we are using, you know. A lot of data, engineering, data science, uh, to make our models more, you know, machine learning driven. It's always a gradual process as you collect more and more data. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and see the problem that has happened, right? Like in all kinds of fixed income investors investments, is they never had access to data. They never were asset monitoring these companies. Mm-hmm. It was only 
you know, you finance and then you get your payments back. If you don't, then you try and see what's your security. But the moment we get integrated with the data sets, right? We know what is happening in the company and we can preempt quite early on if there's something that's going wrong mm. and work with the company. And that's where we have also become like a full stack financial suite for companies because we help them in certain advisory services, you know, how to manage growth of the business because a lot of people like that. So we have partnered with a few advisors, startup advisors, startup consultants to get them the right thing and leverage technology to give them data-driven insights, mm-hmm. uh, right? Like to help them to grow and stabilize their business. I think which is very important. Some examples can you give, like, you know, what indicators, what red flags that you see on your platform uh, and you, you tell to the founder, hey, boss, you are not going in the right direction or this metric is not in line uh, with the, what we expect. So uh, some examples. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? So I think, um, you know, like, like uh, we work with a lot of SaaS companies. So I think churn, uh, net revenue retention, lifetime value to customer acquisition cost. You know, like I, I know, like I'll take an example. There was an tech SaaS company. Mm. Uh, they had a churn. The growth was great, right? Like they, they were growing, I think, 100% plus year on year. They were a one and a half, two million dollar, one and a half million dollar ARR company back then. Now they're a three million dollar ARR company. Uh, you know, in the last uh, 12 months, they've grown 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything is great, uh, you know, but the churn, um, you know, the churn rate, Right, like while their overall growth was good, but the churn rate was pretty high at seventy percent. Right, uh, they were getting new customers, but the churn was very high. And the industry benchmark for similar set of companies were around more like 45 percent. You know, okay. so we had the benchmark analysis because we had analyzed so many companies' data. Right, like so we could guide them that mm. while your business is growing great and doing good, but I think you should do something on your churn because it's pretty high than probably the industry average. Um, so they started focusing on churn analysis. We had some people, you know, who helped them, you know, work with them because every dollar saved is every additional revenue earned, right? Like uh, with the same set of customers, they could grow the business even further. Uh, so that was a great win, right? Like, and because, <clears throat> because of that, you know, we could finance them even more. So it also helps us indirectly, directly. We mitigate risk because the company's operational parameters improve, right? Mm-hmm. And we could catch this on early on because you we were connected to their operational data as well. Otherwise, we would not have even known. We would have seen that the revenues are growing great. They are growing good. Everything is fine. We are getting our money back. And one day, probably, mm-hmm. hopefully not, but probably something could have gone wrong with that company, right? Like, so it's it's important to understand the operational metrics, benchmark it, and create a strategy early on. So we help them with that. And obviously, they are the experts then, right? Like, uh, mm, got you. Uh- would love to understand what are some of the biggest challenges that uh, you faced while uh, building and growing this venture. Yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> I think uh, I think the stage at uh, the pace at which the startup journey moves, I think, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, <clears throat> so you build you were building something and started with something, you know the way the team grows, the way alignment of team grows, the way to manage the team, right? Like, because there is unpredictability, uncertainty at times as well, right? Like, so you can't just hire anyone and everyone, right? Like, so you need to get the right people at the right time, right? I think, and balancing that is very, very important because the pace is so fast and one day sudden event could happen and you can just stall, right? Like for no reason. So, you, so I think 
managing that has been a tricky a tricky thing to be honest right like it's not easy and i think also as i was mentioning not deviating because as you keep on scaling i think mm. the second thing is prioritizing it the right way because a lot of opportunities seem lucrative right like but which is the best one out of it? go after it right like so i think managing that at every point in time uh, is also very important and teams moving together in the right direction right like so alignment strategy etc is very important in a startup right like people say that strategy is very important for late stage companies i think it's more important for early stage companies right because if your teams are not aligned on everything right a tech or a product team would be working on something else versus a business development team that is originating somewhere else if they're not aligned right like things may not move at the speed at which you want to so very important to have a central control which can guide and move everyone along i think that's uh, the third learning that i've had uh, you know and these are the challenges we have faced practically you know we are learning obviously trying to improve <clears throat> when i started i spoke i was speaking to a lot of my founder friends right mm-hmm. like how did they go about it co-founded all of them said it will not be easy you know but they recommended me certain tips and tricks at times you know to read a lot of their industry how to manage how to do a lot of things that i think that really helped so i've developed gotten back reading as a habit i think with thankfully i'd stopped for a long years uh mm-hmm. you know after my college but i picked it up again and i'm very glad i could because i've really learned and implemented a lot of things you know from them which which seemed to be working but let's see any books you would like to recommend to other entrepreneurs couple of them actually uh you know um i was reading a book called how full is your bucket um you know i i think it's a great book uh because it tells you you as an entrepreneur as a founder you one would always be you know short of short in time mm-hmm. uh you know so it's very important again linking to prioritization you know it, it talks about when you talk to someone right like do they drain your energy or do they fill your bucket do you feel happy do you feel satisfied after talking to them or does it like too much draining your energy because mm-hmm. i think the most important thing that you need to know as a founder is you'll be talking to external people you're talking to equity investors you'll be talking to internal employees you'll be talking to your customers right day in day right. out right so how to manage expectations how to speak everyone's language you know adjust yourself and if you don't and if someone just trains your bucket just move ahead right like just cut them off and your life i think very important uh and i think a couple of other uh, interesting things that i've read right like uh, performance management well, like harvard business review book on performance management uh helped me a lot as well um i think and definitely yeah the zero to one journey at time uh, which has been interesting right uh i just have one last question for you uh what yeah. would you say is the meaning of entrepreneurship for you how would you define the term entrepreneur or who is an entrepreneur as per you i think someone who lives by uh the passion uh, you know who truly believes uh, that something can be turned around uh strategizes well right mm-hmm. and makes other you know align along along with them others could be the team investors external shareholders right and and remember that it's a marathon again right like so there will be extremely uncertain times but just be at it just be there i think uh that is what truly differentiates uh, right like i am also here i have also heard this but i think in our short stint you know i, I think that is what is truly uh, making a difference mm-hmm. got you 
So on this note, I think we have uh, come to the end of our session. Thanks for your time, Michael, of you. And it was a pleasure to have you on our platform. Thanks. Thanks, Priya. Lovely speaking to you. Thanks. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks.